0: This morning I'm going to uh, share a message with you uh, and it really stems from something that came from our 21 days and so as you can tell there uh, and really this kind of became part of the theme of 21 or the theme of last weekend of encounter but I want to share some things with you this weekend and for sure next weekend um, nac- next weekend I'm going to share with you a message called the anatomy of a breakout and we're actually going to look at the uh, really of the account of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And uh, so we'll get into that next week, but that's coming. But t- today, I really want to stir your faith up uh, regarding what I believe God is beginning in us. And uh, as many of you have probably heard me share or say, is that we were in a, one of our Monday night prayer groups here um, during 21 days. We did each Monday night. We were praying here at the church together corporately. And I was walking around up here, and the Lord just dropped a, a, a phrase or a thought. I was actually praying for you. Uh, I was praying Zechariah ten one over you and uh, and so really the the verse says that to ask for rain in the day of rain and the god who makes the the clouds will send rain and make every field flourish and so that was my prayer over you over 21 days is that I was praying that god would what make you fruitful that this year would be different, that, you know, it's hard to grow a flower with no moisture. And, uh, you know, and and there's so much about this. And so I was praying about that, and I found myself just praying for breakthrough. Breakthrough in your family, breakthrough in your finances, breakthrough in your marriage, breakthrough with your kids, breakthrough at your job. And I just was going through all these different things I was praying for. And all of a sudden, just in the way the Holy Spirit does, he just dropped this thought in me and says, Hey, I'm not just the God of breakthrough, I'm the God of breakout. You know, and I was kind of like, oh, you know, okay. And uh, just kind of kept going about my my prayer time. And I began to share. And then I, I sh- even that night I shared. I said, hey, I think that this is actually a word for some people in this room. And uh, so, I, you know, I shared. And then I gave some detail, which I'm going to kind of unpack a little bit today, um, a little bit more. But I believe that not only is this just a word for a moment. I believe that, and look, I've never said this publicly. I'll say it that way. I actually believe this is a word from the Lord for our church for this year. And the further I get away from that moment, the more I'm convinced that it's actually a word from the Lord for the year. Now, there's two ways that you can approach that. You can say, oh, well, that's great because I think there are some things for us as a church that we're stepping into a place that we're not going back to what was uh, in some ways. uh, That if there's a turning of a corner, if you will. Uh, But I also think that there are things in your own life that this is also your word for this year. And, and, you know, and over the last number of weeks, I've been sharing with you about this, but I believe that this is prophetic in nature. And you're like, what does that mean? It means God's going to tell you what he's going to do before he does it. So this is not something that I came up with. It's not some thought that I had. This was actually something I believe the Lord dropped in my spirit for me to communicate to us as a church. And so there are corporate application to this for our church. But I also believe there's personal application for you in your life. And there is a difference between breakthrough and breakout. And so we're going to look at some things. But before I even get into that, I want to share a scripture with you. Because this is important for you to know and for you to understand is that I can stand here. I have prayed. This is what I'm called to do. There's an anointing on my life to preach the word of God and all of those things and all of that good stuff. And all of that can be right. And I can stand here and tell you what God says. But if you don't apply your faith to the word that is given, it actually won't produce for you. You're like, well, what do you mean? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says this. It says, for indeed the gospel, the gospel simply means good news. Says the gospel was preached to us. As well as to them. In other words, there's a group of people who heard some good news. They heard God's promises. They heard what God wanted to do. And it says, but the word that they heard did not profit them. In other words, some everybody heard it, but not everybody got it. And I want you to get what God is saying to you. And so it says that the word did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So I can stand here and tell you that God wants to be your breakthrough. Yes, but God actually really wants to be your breakout. But if you don't mix your faith, you're like, well, what's faith? It's believing what God said above everything else. Doesn't matter what my circumstances said. God said this year that I would break out of some things. And, the, and really, to me, breakout means, hey, I'm, I can't go back, not just that I, that I don't want to go back. No, I can't go back because that door is closed, locked, sealed. That door is no longer there to my past. That, that door to that old hurt is no longer there. I can't go back because God sealed the door closed. The only option I have is to move forward. And so, but we have to be willing to what? Believe it, take hold of it and say, hey, this isn't just something that pastor talked about. This isn't just something that that he said God wants to do. No, this is my word from God for me, for this season, for this time. And I'm going to grab hold of it and I'm not letting go until I see God break out some things in my life. And, And so the message translation says it this way. It says the promises didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. Your ability to trust and believe God's word is the difference maker in your life, not your behavior. Now, we just spent 21 days talking about not by power, not by might, but it's by the spirit of God. And we, that is very true. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will stir up our faith. But we have to choose faith all the time. Do I, want to, do I want to let my circumstances and situations dictate to me how my life is going to go? Or am I going to begin to speak to my circumstances by faith according to God's word and say, no, 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 no. no, Devil, you're not going to rob me there. I have a covenant with God. I have a promise from God. And that's not, that's not what Jesus died for me. For. Jesus, the Bible says, that he died for me. He died for you. Why? So that we would have a covenant with better promises. I don't have to tolerate the enemy. And my encouragement to you is stop tolerating what you know is not God in your life. Like just say enough's enough. Amen. And so we have to take what God speaks and we have to apply our faith to it. Now, if you've heard me preach very much, you know, I'm a bit of a word nerd. I like words and I like to know what words mean, not just what I assume. Cause sometimes I'll go look up a. De- I mean, this is kind of goofy. I go to Merriam Webster's dictionary often. And I search words, and I'm like, I want to know what it means, not just what I think it means. So I'm a stickler for, for meanings as well. Like, if you're around me very much, and you use a word, I'm like, hey, you, you can use that word, but you can't use it for that, because that ain't what it means. Now, I know some of you are, like, super Englishy, and you're like, is that effect A or effect? And you're like, mm, you can't use that. Like, I'm going to give everybody a pass on that one, okay? I'm just saying every time I write that I have to pause and think my mom was a bit of a she wasn't a teacher uh, school teacher necessarily but she was an English hawk for the longest time she would tell me you can't use ain't and then the glorious day came that they put it in the, the dictionary and I'm like oh mama but it's in the dictionary and I was allowed to use that word I had a breakthrough you know just no so the word breakthrough now this is my definition of what breakthrough is. How I believe that the Lord has kind of unpacked this for me. Is that sometimes we can be praying and believing God for a breakthrough. And it means that hey we made it to the other side. Like. We just made it through. Like we survived. Right. We just scraped by. We got through it, and It's like man we made it but just barely. But we got there. How I many of you know that's not really. God doesn't just like barely get us by. And what God, I believe, starts in us, God wants to to do something even greater. And so the the difference, now this is actually Merriam-Webster's breakout, and I like this. It means a violent or a forceful break from a restraining condition or situation. I'm going to reread that. It's up there on the screen too. A violent or a forceful break from a restraining condition or situation. And one of the things that I believe that the Lord dropped in my heart as I began to share that Monday night is that that we've allowed the enemy to confine us, to box us in, to shrink us to a place of living very small. When Jesus did not die for us to live small, but yet we've settled for small. We've settled to be confined. Well, this is just my life. This is just who I am. This is, you know, well, I've made choices and these are just the results of my choices. How many of you know that Jesus is bigger than your worst day? Come on. Yes. We want to judge ourselves on our worst day, not on all the other good ones that we've had. We want to look at our worst days and just say, well, I've blown it. This is just the way it is. Yeah, but Jesus says, I'll redeem you in your worst. Yes. Amen. He knows everything about us and yet he still loves us. And so that's why I believe even this where it talks about a restraining condition or situation. It's a violent break. It's a it's a known difference. Like take dynamite to the moment and just blow it up. There's a definite moment and a shifting that happens. Another definition is this. It says it's like a military attack to break from encirclement. And some of you, I believe, feel like that the enemy has surrounded you. Let me remind you of an Old Testament uh, example of this. Is that the man of God, the prophet, was camped out in a tent, and his servant walks out the tent first thing in the morning, and he realizes the ridge all the way around him, that there's an army around them, and they're completely encircled. They're surrounded. And all they got to do is come down the hill, and the man of God dies. And guess what the servant's thinking? If you die, die. Hey, man of God, why don't you start praying? Like, why don't you just like ask God to like translate us, like just poof, disappear us somewhere else. And I love his response. And he says, there's more with us than there are of them. We don't even know that he walked out of the tent. Like, if it's me, I'm going to be like, how many people out here? How many people coming to kill me today? I mean, it's like, I don't know why, in my mind, it's almost like he didn't even blink. And was just like, just another day. But he had the confidence to say, because he knew. Right? He, he knew there's more with us than there are with them. And then he praises his prayer and says, God, open his eyes so he can see that our help's already here. And God, miraculously, I mean, destroyed that army, army that came to destroy him. And some of you, I believe, you feel like that you're just surrounded. Like, there's no way out. This is... This is just where it, where it is. But God. Oh, but you don't know the hole that I've dug myself in. But God. Why? Because God works in the moments where we believe him. Not just that we pray to him. He, he responds to our faith. And my faith says, God, I believe your word and I trust you that you're going to produce what you said. This is another alternate definition for breakout. It's success or accomplishment, especially in comparison to your previous efforts. And see, I believe some of us have been just kind of hitting a wall, if you will. And you get to a place spiritually, you get to a place in your faith, and it's just kind of like you hit that spot and then you kind of drift back. And then you get a little momentum and you drift back and you drift. You just, and it's this constant just back and forth, back and forth. And here's what I want, to, I want you to hear today is that you have to stop looking at your past to determine the future. It doesn't you know, and that's part of what Pastor Terrence talked about last week. By the way, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go watch the message. You can actually watch it on your church center app now. You can watch it, listen to it, all those good things. You can do all that. But I believe that we have to stop looking and, and comparing where we are today and saying, yeah, but this is what's always happened. Now, if you really want to get to a breakout, you've got to stop looking backwards. You've got to start looking forward. you got to start saying, God, I want to lay hold of everything that you have for me. You've got to have the attitude, man, I'm never going back to that place again. Where the enemy had trapped me, where the enemy had convinced me, where the enemy had lied to me. I'm never going back. I'm never buying into that lie again. Because that's a lie of the enemy and the word of God promises me something better. So we have to have this. And so even for you, even for this year, I believe that this could be the year that you have a breakout in your family, in your finances, in your relationship with the Lord, most importantly. Because I believe that some of us have just kind of lived in a place of where we understand what God wants to do here, but we've never allowed God to change us here. But until some change, some transformation really happens in our soul, God will be limited to what he can do in our life. You're like, oh, but God's all powerful. Yeah, but God will not override you. He's not going to do it. He gave us free will. He gave us choice. And God says, if you choose me, I've already chosen you. So his answer to us is always yes. The question is, is have I put my faith in his word? Have I grabbed a hold of his promises to me? See, I believe that this should be the year of no more going back and it is full speed ahead. Forward. Not putting the brakes on. No, God, whatever you want for me. You want everything that God wants for you, by the way. And you want nothing that he doesn't want for you. And I know we can say things like that in church and it's like, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. That's poetic. No, there's reality there. There's like truth there. Is that you don't even realize, I don't even realize how much that I really want all that God has for me. But if I'll just give God my yes and just say, whatever you say, whatever you ask. By the way, we love Jesus as Savior. We kind of struggle sometimes with him as Lord. And there's a big difference. Jesus saved me of my sins. Shut your mouth. No, I don't like that, Jesus. (laughs) Like... Check your attitude. No, I don't like that, Jesus. Don't spend your money. Oh, that definitely ain't Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, you can save me from my sin, but don't be messing with my money. If he's Lord, he's Lord. And it's not Lord of some, it's Lord of all. All See, you've got somewhere to go. That's the truth. God has somewhere, he has an assignment, he has a place for you to get this year, this season, this time. And, and, you know, and, and I believe that, and look, everything will not change at once. I mean, there's physical things, there's just soulish things, there's spiritual things. But this is what I do know the ingredient is, the special ingredient. If I'll deal with my heart, if I'll allow God to renew my spirit, it will take care of everything else. Too many times we want to change our behaviors and God says, if you just change your heart, your behaviors will follow. If you'll just change your heart, your feelings will follow. See, choices lead, feelings will follow. So many times we have that backwards. Well, I don't feel. Well, maybe you need to tell your feel to shut up. And say, let me tell you how to feel. And look, I'm talking to myself. I have feelings and thoughts and things that come. And there's sometimes I just have to say, quiet down. David said that in Psalms. Be still, O my soul. (whistles) Turn the volume down, soul. You're a little too loud because I'm going to start praising God. Because I need to refocus. See, everything will not change at once. If our heart shifts, it affects everything. That's Proverbs 4.23. Another little nugget for you. Don't compare your progress to somebody else's. Don't look at somebody else and be like, man, they're crushing it. They might be playing a good part. They might be acting the role, but that doesn't mean that, they're, that God's actually working in their life. It takes time to see the fruit of what God does. So you, you may see them in a moment and be like, oh my gosh, I wish I could be like them. And six months later, you're going to be like, man, I'm glad I'm not them. <laughs> so we're going to have to change our mentality. A little bit of background here before I read this next scripture. The children of Israel were going to the promised land. They were enslaved and, um, in, in, in Babylon, or I'm sorry, in Egypt. And they had been there for 400 and something years, enslaved. Well, how many of you know after 400 years you're going to adopt a certain way of thinking? And so many of you have probably heard this, is that God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, but Egypt was not out of them yet. In other words, they had a mentality of a slave, not as a conqueror. And God is leading them to a promised land that he said, hey, it's flowing with milk and honey. That sounds just beautiful, doesn't it? I don't really know what it means. I don't know if honey is just like flowing down a creek. I've never seen that, but, I, you know, flowing with milk. I like milk, but I just, you know, I get it out of, a, out of a carton, you know. I've never seen a land flowing with milk and honey, but yet that's the promise of God. And so they send 12 spies into the land. They send 12 guys. And they said, hey, go see if the land's what, what God said it was. And the account comes back, I'm, I'm not going to do it justice, but I want to show you something because I believe that this will actually keep you from getting to what God has for you if, if you don't deal with, with some things in, in the way that you think. So they, these 12 guys come back and the Bible says that 10 of them had an evil report, a negative report, and two of them said, we're well able, let's go. Like that's my land, let's go get it. The Bible actually says that, J, um, that Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit about them and it says they had a spirit of faith. So if you're going to get to your promised land that God has for you, you can't get there but by faith. It's not just by tenure. I've been serving the Lord for 25 years. My time has come. You'll be waiting another 25. The children of Israel circled for 40 years until this generation had died off of doubters and unbelief and naysayers. But it says that when Joshua and Caleb went in at 80, they were as strong as they were 40 years before. And God says, now that I got all of my haters out the way, now I'll let you go where I have for you to go. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Not even in my notes. So it says here, they come back with a bad report. And it says, the, now I want you to listen to the language here. It says the land that we traveled through and explored will devour everyone who goes there to live. This land is so crazy. If you try to live there, the land itself is going to kill you. Keep that in mind. The very next word. All the people we saw were huge. They contradicted themselves from one moment to the next. Anybody who lives here, the land's going to kill them. Oh, but there were a lot of big people there. They could live there. But you just, again, I'm a word guy. Everybody who tries to live here will die. But there's giants there. I think giants are fall under the category of everybody. It says we even saw that there were giants there, the sons of Anak. And it says, and next to them, here's the key. They had a mental block that kept them from saying yes to God. God, that is mine. They had something in their way. And what was it? It was, it was this mentality that had convinced them that they couldn't get what God had said. Now, how many of you know, if God promises you something, it's not his fault if we don't get it. But we may have some old way of thinking. We may have some limitations. We may have some insecurities. We may have some things on the inside of us that say, yeah, but that's true for everybody else. It's just not true for me. And here it says that next to them, next to who? Next to the giants, next to these massive people. says we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too. Now there's no account in scripture that they ever had a conversation with the giants. But they projected their impression or their opinion of themselves upon them and said they agree with my opinion about me. And what happens many times, I believe, is that we can actually convince ourselves that we can't be, we can't have, we can't get to a place that God has for us. And the devil's like, you're right. He didn't even have to tell you because you convinced yourself. He just added his agreement to your belief. And you're like, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. There's me and the devil and I want to agree with him. How about you stop agreeing with the devil and start agreeing with what God's word says about you? It's a novel idea. See, some of us need to have our minds and our thoughts and our opinions of ourselves renewed. We need to be reprogrammed. We need to be rewired. That's why the Bible talks about in Romans 12. Let the renewing of your mind, the transformation, the renovation of how you think be different. Darren, I've had the opportunity to renovate. A number of homes at this point in our life and I can walk into an environment and I can say that cabinet needs to come out and this wall needs to go away and this needs to get moved over here and I want to flip this whole bathroom around and my dad's walking through going what you talking about you like, I, don't, I just can't see it I remember one time we had redone a house in Shreveport when we lived there And there was this corner cabinet. I'll never forget this. My dad's sitting on my couch. We were done with the house. He's sitting there and he's like, you know, he said, you tried to explain to me this whole corner thing. He said, I just never could picture it. He says, but now that I see it, it makes perfect sense. Some of you can't see what God wants to do and you need him to come in and renovate your opinions. You need him to what? To reprogram some of the lens of which you've seen your experiences because you actually have a negative slant on it which Pastor Terrence talked about this, is don't lose the, the legacy, get the, get the lesson. Somebody may have hurt you, but not everything that they taught you was bad. And I say that from personal experience. Some of my greatest pain is some of my greatest lessons today. And God is still faithful to work and to heal and to restore, but I don't want to lose the lesson. In other words, I don't want to waste my pain. I want to grow in spite of my pain, in spite of my frustrations. I don't want to be defined by my past. I don't want to be defined by what somebody else did to me. I don't want to be defined by just a negative experience. I want to be defined by what God says about me, what God wants for me, and the future that God has for me. And you need to want the same thing. Here's just a thought for you. I was actually standing in my kitchen a couple weeks ago, and the Lord dropped this phrase in my heart because I was just thinking about breakout. I was thinking about like, God, what are you trying to communicate to me? So sometimes I'm just kind of walking around just like, all right, God, I'm, I'm listening. If you want to hear the voice of God, you might need to prioritize his voice. Turn the TV off. Sit down without being preoccupied and say, Lord, I'm, if you're speaking, I want to listen right now. Now, I've cultivated this habit over many years. so I would like to think I've gotten a little better at this. I happen to be standing at my pantry during 21 days of prayer and fasting. Oh, Jesus. I don't know why I was standing there, but I was. Door open, just, man, this, this looks really appetizing. I like to torture myself, I suppose. But, but the Lord dropped this thought in my heart. And again, this, when I'm saying this, it's, it's like a thought. Except the thought didn't come from here. It comes. The Bible says uh, that there's a, a river of life that will flow up out of our innermost being. Well, that's the way the Holy Spirit works. But this thought just kind of dropped in me. And it says that if Satan can confine you, then he defines you. Yeah, chew on that one for a little bit. I've been chewing on it for a couple of weeks. Because remember, break out, is a, the, the, the picture I believe the Lord gave me was, was like a confinement. Yeah, but if, if you stay in a place of confinement, you're also allowing the enemy by default to define you as well. He's not just holding you captive, he's calling you a captive. And there's a difference. And God wants to break you out of some of these things. And so you've got to stop ex- uh, accepting living small See, it's like, and I believe that we have to really take like 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I don't care if you've been serving God for 10 minutes, 10 years, 50 years. That verse still applies to us today as much as the moment that you accepted Jesus. Because there are still things in our past that need to go away and they need to be washed away. And, and, and so what? So that we can move forward. And so the, the reality of it is this, is that we will never rise above our ability to believe or our, our level of belief or faith in God's promises. I mean, I can sit here and preach to you till I have no voice left. But if you don't have your faith connected to it, it will not produce anything for you. I can pray. I can fast. I can do Everything. But there has to be a a moment that your faith ignites. Now, how do you get faith? By hearing God's word. That's why we preach the word of God. It's to activate your faith on the inside of you. But you can't just activate it and be like, well, that's true for everybody but me. Well, what makes you so special that you're the exception to God's rules? Because my Bible says he's no respecter of person. So it means every excuse that I give God, he's like, That ain't what I said. You're letting the devil define you. Oh, but God, I'm a mess. Mm. I I, I said you were beautiful. And I I sent my son to die for you. Yeah, but God, man, my past, it's nasty. My grace is more than enough. Whatever sin you've got, I've got more grace. Grace. And we have to learn how to walk in that grace. We have to learn how to, to really live in that place. And so we have to, what, rise above it. But we're going to rise above it because we say, that word's for me. That's my word. Pastor may have dropped that, or God may have dropped that in pastor's heart, but that's my word. That ain't his word no more. It's mine. I own it. It belongs to me. God, this is my promise. And I'm saying yes, and let it be done in my life. See, what has to happen is that our vision needs to change. We want to be Joshua and Caleb. We don't want to be the 10 who brought an evil or a negative report. We want to have that that spirit about us that says we are well able to to get everything that God has. God promised it. I'm going and getting it. But you're going to have to get a new picture in, in your mind's eye of what it looks like to be where God wants you to be. And every one of us have a different definition of this. Look, you can't compare your progress. I said this earlier. You can't look at somebody else and be like, man, if I was just more spiritual, I'd have what they have. No, there's giftings. There's callings. I mean, we're all on a journey. And some of us are running at different speeds. Now, here's the good news. God didn't call you to run at a speed. You determine what speed you run at. If you want to go 10 miles an hour, you can just cruise like a granny. I'm just loving Jesus, taking my time. That's not my personality. Let's go 100. Put it on the floor. Let's roll. Because I don't want to wait another 20, 30, 40 years and look back with regret. I want to say, man, I was getting it. I was going after what God had for me. And that would be my encouragement to you. And and here's the, I'm just going to be real with you. It's in the place of your uncomfort that God's going to call you. You're going to be like, that makes me nervous. And God's going to be like, "Uh uh-huh, I know. Because I'm not calling you to do something that you don't need me for. It's going to be in the area where you're like, I cannot do that. And God's going to say, but my grace is sufficient for you. I'm out here. You're trying to play it safe, and I'm trying to get you out here. I want to make you uncomfortable so I can do more with you than anyone ever thought, including yourself. And so that when you look back, you're going to be like, look what the Lord has done. Because I am not this smart. Now, God wants to do something. Here's another little thought for you. Is that once you can see it, you can seize it. But if you can't see it, you're not going to be able to grab a hold of it. So you got to, what? You got to pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you to renew my mind. Go get the Ephesians 3 prayers. God, open up my eyes to see all that you have for me. Change the picture of who I see myself to be. Let me have the confidence in who you've created me to be. All of my insecurities, Jesus, I bring them to you. All of my inferiority, Jesus, I bring to you. All of my my weakness and my anger and my frustration, Jesus, I bring it to you because you're my Lord. You're not just Savior, I'm bringing it all. And we have the phrase like everything and the kitchen sink, Jesus wants it all. Not just the pretty parts that we want to bring. Why? Because until I give him everything, I can't see everything. Look, God reveals things in steps and stages, not in leaps and bounds. So in other words, God's going to tell you the next step. He might give you a picture. I mean, there are things that I've had in my heart for 25 years. That God showed me 25 years ago. That I'm still saying, God, I'm believing you for that. And there have been times that I've let some of those dreams and those desires and things that I had in my heart go just because of life. And I just thought, well, maybe it's just not going to happen for me. And I have to reignite the passion and the fire of God and say, nope, he who called me is faithful. He who started the work is going to complete it. God, I don't care what my mind tells me. I'm going to trust your word and I'm going to trust your promises. Why? Because you're going to do it. I ain't got to do it. So we got to stir up our faith to believe that what God has said belongs to you. Like some of you would do well to go find some promises in scripture and change the promise and say, this is mine. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You ought to be confessing God's word. Like, let me give you a practical example. Some of you are like, man, I'm so ashamed of my past. Okay, you need to start quoting that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And you need to say it every day. You're like, well, for how long? Until you believe it. And even after you think you start believing it, just keep saying it. Father, I thank you that I have a past, but I think I've been redeemed. I thank you that my past is nothing but my testimony of how good and how faithful you've been. And I just thank you that everything in my mind that says that I'm trash, I thank you that your Bible says that I'm holy. Everything that I think should keep me from having everything that you want for me, let me remind you. That in Jesus' lineage, there's murderers, there's drunkards, there's prostitutes. Like, go read the story of Jesus' lineage. He got some suspect people. Jesus had family problems too. That's why I love the Bible, because it doesn't sugarcoat people. David, King, man after God's own heart, sees a woman and says, Hmm, I kind of like her. Then he covers it up orders an execution of a man and he's still loving Jesus playing his church role until somebody comes and says, Hey, and calls him out. And basically, which is kind of crazy. If you go read the story, a guy named Nathan comes and confronts David with a, a parable. Basically and David says that man should be put to death. And Nathan goes, you're that man. Damn. <laughs> it's like a verbal beat down. What are do you, you going to say to that? But here's the key. David was what? He was broken in that moment. He was repentant to the Lord. That's what Psalms 51 is all about. It's actually David's response to that moment. Look, none of us are going to be perfect. None of us. Just keep a repentant heart. Don't allow pride to come in and and to keep you from what God has for you. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this. It says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did Jesus come? Some of y'all aren't old enough for this movie reference, but some of y'all are. Braveheart. You know he has to call he's like freedom. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Why did Jesus come to set us free? If you're going to summarize the gospel, that's it. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He didn't set you free so you could go back to bondage. He didn't set you free so that you could just go wallow in your past and be like, oh, God's good, but I'm terrible. It goes on the second part of this verse says, Stand firm then and do not allow yourselves to be burdened again with the yoke of bondage or the yoke of slavery. Some of you, God did a work in you last weekend, and I'm here to tell you this morning, do not go back. Close the door, deadbolt it, screw it, shut whatever you got to do. You're not going backwards. Your decision is full speed ahead. I'm moving forward into what God has for me. And if God wants to continue to work on me to deal with my past, I'm okay to that. Anybody else want to talk about it? It's over. See, we have to get to this place of really understanding what God wants for us. This is actually an account. This is Bible humor. So just y'all can humor me for a moment. The children of Israel were always in bondage, like throughout the Old Testament. They'd get free. God would deliver them. Turn a few pages. They're enslaved to somebody else. God would deliver them. They get enslaved to somebody else. Fast forward, Jesus one day is talking to the Pharisees and he's talking about them being free and the religious elite say, Jesus, what are you talking about? We've never been slaves to anyone. Jesus doesn't say this, but if I'm Jesus, I'm like, I would have laughed and said, you've been enslaved to everybody. What are you talking about? But I want to give you a picture of what I believe this year could actually look like for you in not just one area. I believe God starts in certain areas, but I believe in multiple areas. If you will believe God's word and you'll grab hold of his word and not let go of it. You'll see God produce in your life. And so this is another account, not Egypt, but it actually comes out of uh, the book of Ezra actually talks about a time about a king named Cyrus who was favorable to the children of Israel. They were he was in control over them. And it's pretty crazy if you go read the story. But they got, he says, hey, they're like, hey, we want to go back to our hometown. We want to go back to Jerusalem. We want to build a temple. And he's like, okay, I'll pay for it. Hey, all my peoples. I mean, can you imagine, let's put this in our context. If the president of the United States says, now I'm about to make a controversial statement. This is not political, but this is what's going on. It'd be like if the president of the United States said, hey, every immigrant that has come into this nation... I'm asking you to give out of your pocket to help them go back and rebuild something back home. That's what's happening. When the children of Israel left Egypt, the Bible says that they left with the wealth of Egypt. Here's a different account. Now, we're not going to read those verses, but if you go and read in Ezra the account that this is referring to, that's what it says, is that people just begin to give them money. And it tells you it was like 46,000 something people went and they were loaded when they went. And so here's the account. This comes out of Psalms 126. I'm going to read verse one through three. But it says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, and when you're thinking fortune, don't think money. That's not what that word is even talking about. What he's saying is that God, even though they were in captivity, put it on the, King Cyrus' heart to allow them to move back home. Their fortune was they're no longer slaves. Forget the money. Money means nothing if you're enslaved. And you have all the money in the world and be enslaved. Right here. And all your money will not get you free. So it picks up here and says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Like somebody pinched me because this is too good to be true. It says our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. And then then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Can you imagine what it would be like if you just said yes to Jesus and your co-workers were like, the Lord has done something great for them. Like, I don't understand it. I don't know what it is. But God has done something great. On, like, you are different. Like, God has done something on the inside of you. Like, what happened? Like, oh, man, I don't know. I, I, I was just in the presence of God. And, man, it's just like my past just got washed away. And all of a sudden, man, I just felt lighter. And all of a sudden, man, I began, I had a joy about me. And there was, man, I was smiling and I was laughing and I just felt free. And I didn't feel overburdened and I didn't feel weighed down like I had been. It's like all of a sudden I could catch my breath for the first time in a long time. The nation's. The people around them declared that God has done great things for them, and then I love that they say the Lord has done great things for us, and we were filled with joy. We were like, like God did it so fast, and it was so quick, and, and it came out almost nowhere. That I had a, we had the breakout moment, and it happened so quick that it was like, am I dreaming? I mean, in sports, there's a, there, I think that even at the ESPYs, I believe they give away an award called the breakout of the year. In other words, it's an athlete who had shown really no reason or expectation to be great. And then all of a sudden, it's like one year it clicks. I mean, there's a, some quarterbacks playing in the Super Bowl. You know, that little, that little game that a lot of people had written off. But there came a breakout moment that you don't even see coming, that God wants to do in your life. And God said, hey, I, w- I-, I want this to be your breakout year. I want God to do something in you. And it's like, man, never saw that one coming. And God can do more in a moment when we just trust him and we surrender our hearts to him than we can do in a lifetime of our effort, when we can do with a lifetime of our hustle, that we can do in a lifetime of just praying. Praying is good. I I believe in the power of prayer. But sometimes our vulnerability in front of the Lord is more important than our prayer. I mean, David in Psalm sixty-one says that you don't want offerings. You don't want sacrifices. If you did, I would bring them. He said, but that's not what you want. He said, you want a heart that is broken, that is contrite, that is humble before you. In other words, a heart that is open to you. That's the sacrifice that you want. God doesn't want what you do for him. God wants you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And in that relationship with him, he will begin to reconstruct and he will begin to rebuild. And he will begin to work in your life so that you can step out of what you've had and into what he has for you. The scripture reference, by the way, is uh, Ezra chapter 1. You can go and read. And that's the account of this scripture that I just told you. What would it be like at the end of this year. If you look back. And you and this was your declaration. The Lord has done great things for me. The Lord has done great things in my family. The Lord has done great things in my marriage. The Lord has done great things in my finances. The Lord has done great things in my church. The Lord has done great things in me. What if that was your declaration at the end of this year? It's so, like man I, I. It's like man. I wouldn't repeat the past, but I wouldn't trade it for anything either. Because the things that I thought would destroy me, God said, no, I'm going to use that as your platform. I'm going to use that in your life. That what you thought was going to take you out. That what you thought was going to ruin you. God says, oh, no. Since I'm talking about vulnerability, let me just share something with you personally that most of you will be blown away by this? Is that most of you have no idea the kind of insecurity that I deal with? I mean, I have a really loud inner critic. And when you guys come and say, hey, great sermon, my thought is, yeah, but... And I'm not saying that as a, as a pity thing. What I'm telling you is I have learned how to trust God and not myself. That when my mind says, you don't have this. My thought now is, you're right, I don't. But God does. And I've had to learn what Paul has talked about. And I say I've learned it, not like that I'm past it. I'm telling you, yesterday, I'm dealing with faults in my mind. But I'm learning. And I don't know if I'll ever be free of insecurities. I don't know. But what I do know is that when I come to God and say, God, I need you to show up. That he's faithful. And I know some of you are probably thinking like, you're up there talking in front of me. What do you mean you got insecurities? If you only knew. This is the kind of vulnerability that I'm talking about that we have to have with the Lord. You've got to take your fear. You've got to take your anger. You've got to take your anxiety. You've got to take your brokenness to the Lord and say, Jesus, you're the only one who can heal me. There's nobody else. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of success. There's no amount of stuff. There's nothing else that will heal me, but I'm broken and I need you to heal me. Because it's in that place that that you get to say, Look what the Lord has done. He's done some great things for me. My last scripture for today is this. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read four verses here. It says, I pray. This is one of that that Ephesians prayer that I talked about earlier. This is it. But you can take this prayer and start praying it over yourself. It says, I pray that from His glorious and unlimited resources... Well, who's God's. This is Paul praying over believers. He says, I pray that from God's glorious and unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. He says then Christ will make his home in your heart. As you trust him he says, your roots will grow down into God's love and they will keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, to comprehend, to grab hold of as all of God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ. And though it's too great to understand fully. says then. So in other words, once you get a revelation, then the breakout will come. Sometimes we want to say, well, God, I need you to do something. No, you need to see something. You need to see something different before you can have something different. It says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It says, now all glory to God. All glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. The Amplified Bible says more than you can ask, think, or possibly even imagine. God will do more all glory all praise all honor see I believe that sometimes our worship is small because we have a small view of God because we've only allowed him to do we, we kind of put parameters and safeguards By like, God you can do this but don't cross this line and so our worship becomes small because we serve a small God in our minds well what if I got a bigger view of God I would have a bigger worship Why? Because I realize that he's better than I ever thought he would be. He's more gracious. He's more kind. He's more compassionate. He's more loving. See, we think of it like, oh, he's judgmental. He's harsh. He's heavy. No, 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 no. Go read the scriptures. The psalmist says that your, your loving kindness is better than life. So, man, I I want God to open up my eyes. I want God to open up my vision to understand who He is. Why? So that it would transform me. Man, I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done in my life in 25 years. But I actually believe that He has better things even ahead for me. So I don't want to just sit back and be like, ah, 25 years, we got a good run. I'm just going to ride this one out. Go find me that in the scriptures where you just plateau. Now, I want to see God do immeasurably, exceedingly, immeasurably above all that you can ask, think, and possibly even imagine. Because here's the truth, is that one day, and some of you are already in this place, you can you, you say, oh, I, I see that now. But there will come a day that you will be living in the prayers that you prayed today. The prayers that you prayed in the last few weeks is 21 days we've been in. The things you've been asking the Lord for. You're going to be like, man, I remember it was like a dream. God moved that thing so fast. What I thought was so hopeless, God did it in a moment. And man, it just was like a whirlwind of how fast God moved that situation. And in a moment, I mean, because like we, we, we put periods where God puts like dot, dot, dot. And that dot, dot, dot is the words, but God. My marriage is over, period. That's what we say. And God says, no, I'm not done at the dot. I'm going to add a couple more dots to it. In other words, the sentence is not finished being done yet. Oh, man, we're done financially, period. Like, we're, we're going bankrupt. We're going, like, this is it. We're done. Let God add some dots to it. Dot, dot, dot. But God, we were done. I didn't have a clue what to do. I lost my job. I didn't know what to do. Oh, but God opened up a new door for a better door. So stop putting a period where God says, let me just put some more dots because I'm still writing that story and it's not over yet. Because I want to do what God is saying. I want to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, think, pray, imagine, dream up. God says, oh, I want to go higher than that. I want to do more than that for you. I'm to rewind and go all the way back to the beginning. Hebrews 4 verse 2. The word profit them nothing because they didn't mix faith with the word. If you're going to have a breakout year You're going to have to have breakout faith And that doesn't mean great faith It doesn't mean big faith It just means you got to put your trust somewhere You're going to put your trust somewhere Somebody, something, situation, whatever Why not put it in God? Because He's the one who can lead you right into the breakout He really is So I want to pray this morning over you. And I'm just going to pray that God's going to seal this word in your heart. That God's going to stir up some faith on the inside of you in a fresh and a new way and stir you up. So, Father God, I just thank you right now for your word. Father, I thank you that your word produces everything that you desire for it to. Father, you, you, you promised that your word would not return void. But, Father, you said that it would always accomplish that which you assigned it to accomplish. And so, Father, I thank you for every person that's here this morning, every person that's online today. Father, I thank you that your word is going deep and settling into our heart this morning. Father, that we won't leave, that we won't lose the seed that you've sown. But Father, I thank you that it's being watered with faith. I think that it's being developed by faith. I think that it's coming to fruition by faith. And so, Father, whatever your promises are for us, we say whatever you have for us, we want it. We simply say yes to you. We want everything that you have for us and nothing that you don't want for us. And so, Father, if there's anything in our life that we need to remove, we just thank you that we hear your voice accurately and clearly, and we're going to be obedient. When you highlight those areas of compromise, those areas of of things that really just aren't producing the life that you have for us, Father, I thank you that you're revealing those things to us, that we can step into your freedom and step into your life. And so, Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Father, I just declare... Father, just as you've dropped in my heart that you're not the god of just the God of their breakthrough, but Father, I thank you that this is the year. This is the time of breakout. This is the time of never going back to normal. This is the, the defining moment of in my life changed in this moment and God shifted some things and we stepped into something that I never thought would have been possible, but God did it in a moment and I'm not even sure how he did it. I just know where he got me and I'm thankful for that. And so Father, I just thank you right now that you are a powerful God. That you still work and you still move and, and you still have incredible love and compassion towards us. That even in our weakness, Father, that you display your, your greatness. So, Father, we invite you, Father, God, to move in, in a great and powerful way in our life. Father, we just open up our hearts to you. And, Father, we just declare to and we ask you to have your way in us. Have your way in us, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. You know, we're going to step back into a time of worship.